All right, all right. Well, welcome, everybody. Um, I'm wondering if we should start. I wonder if we should start giving you a little bit more time for greeting. Does that does that sound like that will work? That, or I'll just start saying something like completely outlandish, like right at the beginning of a sermon, just to be like, what did he say? Um, no, welcome. We're so glad uh, that you are with us here today again. Um, I know I mentioned at the very top, but we're just so thankful that those of you who are here in person and those of you who are watching online, that you would join us this morning, that you would carve out time in your day to prayerfully meet, uh, meet with God, to meet with one another, and to see what he has for us. Um, what I want to do is uh, I want to share uh, very briefly a story or, or a question that someone asked me recently that uh, threw me off guard, but in, in a good way. Uh, it was a friend of mine from a previous church, and he just asked me this question. He said, if there's one prayer that you would like answered, that you would want God to answer over this next month, what would it be? And as much as I wanted to say that I would grow three inches taller, that was not my, my prayer request. No, recognizing that, that it's, it was such a simple question. If God answered a prayer for you and said yes to a prayer, what would that prayer request be? For us, you know, one of the things that um, I was praying for was that, or, and, and, and still, but praying for um, friendships and relationships with, like, other pastors and their families because it's just a very unique uh, calling. You know, teachers uh, know what teachers go through. Uh, engineers, I don't know what engineers do because you guys are brilliant and you do so much, but be able to, you guys would understand things that others uh, stay-at-home parents, they would understand things together and get into community. Um, people who love different sports, like there's all these different communities, and to be able to find a community in which you feel known and people understand exactly what you're going through. Because we are so blessed by so many of you at our church, but it's also helpful to know what are other senior pastors and their families, what are they experiencing, what are they, what are they learning, what are they struggling with, all those different dynamics. And so praying that God would just open up some of those doors. And it's been really uh, encouraging for me because I didn't tell Steph that prayer. Um, I probably should have, but I didn't tell her that prayer request when my friend asked me that last month. And yet over the past uh, few weeks, we've been able to just meet up with different pastors and, and um, either go to their house for dinner or, or go be at a, a joint uh, communal celebration together. And it's just been really cool to kind of just see how God answered that prayer and it's one of those things where we, sh we, we really aren't surprised when God answers prayers because he answers prayers, but it's so encouraging and affirming when he does. It's, it's not that we're shocked. Oh my gosh, answered, we're shocked. It's the fact that he hears me. He hears you. So without a verbal response right now, if I were to ask you if God would answer one prayer in your life over the next month, what would it be? For some of you, maybe it's a restored relationship, a friendship, or a family member that there's frustration or pain with. For some of you, maybe it's a, a deeper marriage. Some of you, it's, you're, you're, it's, some of you, it's for you to have, find friends in school or um, in the various uh, groups that you are at school. Maybe for some of you, it's just finding friends no matter what age you are. Maybe it's a job opportunity. Maybe it's clarity about purpose and vision in your life. Maybe it's just an acknowledgement that you just want God's, you just want to feel him again. 
maybe you're just crying out, God, please just meet me here. See, we're going to enter into uh, this next portion of the Lord's Prayer. We've been going through the Lord's Prayer the past few weeks, and, and our title and the part of the Lord's Prayer we're going to be experiencing and learning about together is our daily bread. What is it that when God, we can ask God for our daily bread, what does that mean? What does it look like? And what is the, the thing that will sustain us today if God were to answer in a clear way? Will you join me in a word of prayer as we ask God now to meet us where we are and to speak to us as only he can? Father, we thank you that you are with us wherever we are right now, whether we're here in person, watching online, listening or watching at a later time. God, everyone who hears my voice right now is someone who is deeply loved by you, someone that you created and formed and you breathed life into, someone that um, Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died a horrible death but was raised to new life to offer the invitation to eternal life. Each person who hears my voice has that invitation. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that each person who hears my voice would experience something that reveals to them just how real you are. Not that we're shocked when it happens, but it's so encouraging and affirming when it does. So, Lord, we ask that you meet us here today. I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase, that you would speak in a powerful, personal, impactful way to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11 for a little bit. Um, that's going to be kind of the core verse from the Lord's Prayer. But if you want to follow along um, in a passage we'll dive into a bit deeper, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16. Uh, you can follow along in the Bible app if you want to do that and search the event for our church here. Um, you can follow along and the church has Bibles underneath the seats. Um, and if you brought your own or your own Bible, um, fantastic. So, the first few weeks of our sermon series, we've been talking about prayers that are directed towards God, specifically about God. That it's our Father in heaven, recognizing that he's our Father. He's, um, he has that intimacy relationship, relationship excuse me, with us while also being in heaven and being so grand that he holds the entire universe in the palm of his hand, and yet he extends that same hand into relationship and love with us. He's intimate and vast. We also talked about how holy is his name, that we obey and we listen to him. We talked about how his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we, we've lifted those things up and praying that God, how things are in heaven, that would happen here on earth. But today we're turning the attention. This is a, a switch in the focus of the Lord's prayer from praying to God about God and adoring him, worshiping him, giving him glory, to then turning our attention upon our needs, upon things that we are asking for, upon things that we need. And so our, our verse for today is only six words long, but my hope and prayer is that out of those six words, we'll unpack uh, some meaningful truths for each and every one of us. And so on the screen, we're going to break this down in a few different ways, but the first one is give us this today our daily bread. So that's that's the passage. But you'll notice uh, in each of these versions, we're going to highlight a couple different words here. So the focus here in this first part is the give us today our daily bread. Many of you may have noticed, maybe you didn't. I, I 
didn't notice to be truthful until I was reading the commentaries about this passage, that none of the petition prayers, none of the prayers where Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray and says, this is how you ought to pray. And when they ask for requests, it's never in the singular. It's never give me today my daily bread. Forgive me of my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. No, every single time that this, the te- Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, it's not a me, it's a we. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us an hour. See, in a culture in which we are very um, individualistic and we want to think that we could do things on our own, that we feel very self-sufficient, that we feel like we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we could achieve the American dream by coming from nothing and making something out of ourselves, and that we celebrate and, and we love those stories in our culture, it makes us think that it's up to us, that we are the ones that provide our own daily bread, our own needs, that we don't need God because we have convinced ourselves, and maybe not just the we here, maybe just we as a culture, we've convinced ourselves that we could be our own gods. We can be the ones on our own throne. So give us today our daily bread shows that this is not an individualistic concept. When it comes to our faith, yes, we need to have our own private faith with him, or or personal faith, I should say, but we live that faith out in community. We live it out together. That when we are praying, give us today our daily bread, sometimes, if we're praying that together now in this place, sometimes we are the ones who are the asker, in the sense of we are the ones who are asking, God, we need daily bread. We are, I am struggling. I am hurting. I am in need. Can you provide? Sometimes we're the asker, and yet other times, because it's in community, we're not the asker. Maybe God has provided, and so we're not the asker of the prayer, but we could be the answer to that prayer. That when someone is in need and broken and needs daily bread in our community and in our city and in our church and in our world, we have the honor of saying, okay, God has given me enough that I can be an answer to prayer to someone else. God has given me enough to be able to Meet the needs of those around us. And so what I want to do is I want to take a few moments to look at Exodus 16 because we're going to look at some of the contrasts here of when the Israelites, God's chosen people after the Exodus, um, ways in which they've fallen short when it comes to this idea. So we're going to be in the book of Exodus uh, for some of you um, It's the second book inside your Bible, so it's going to be very um, much near the front. And the context is this is right after God had called Moses. God has sent Moses into Egypt to let God's people go and command that of Pharaoh. The the plagues have just occurred. They were finally set free after the death of the firstborn and the blood of the lamb that was slain, that the Israelites were passed over and the Egyptians sent them out. While the Israelites were leaving, the uh, Egyptians end up going after them. They see the Red Sea. The people are scared. God tells Moses that he will split the Red Sea. All the people come out. Everyone leaves, and then the water closes in on Pharaoh's chariots and on the horses, and the Israelites escape into the desert. 
And now, that happens in about Exodus 14. Exodus 15 has to do with a, a song of celebration. And then we hit Exodus 16, only a month or two after this incredible moment. And this incredible rescue of God from his people out of captivity and out of slavery. Only a couple months later, we see what it is that is on their minds and what they struggle with. So we talked about how this is give us today our daily bread. This is a communal thing. Let's see how the Israelite community misses the boat with the mindset of not we get to point the blame at them, but how we need to sometimes look in the mirror and how we may struggle with these things as well. So Exodus 16 verse 1 says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month, after they had come out of Egypt. And then verse 2 on the screen. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. That is a little dramatic. They just seen dramatic things. They just saw plagues of unnamed kind and just incredible, incredible things that had changed their lives to see how God shows up as a community. God provided with them, for them, excuse me, what they needed. He provided rescue that they could not rescue themselves. He provided freedom that they were set captive and they could not set themselves free. He provided hope and a promise. And only two months later, they're mad because they wish that they were back in Egypt. They had, we had all the food we wanted. In another passage, it talks about how they had onions and leeks and good meat. And it's talking about how, oh, we would like to go back to Egypt now. How many of us? We, could, we can look and we can see how that doesn't make sense. But how many of us? When we have something that um, enslaves us, a temptation, a struggle, a, a hurt, a habit, a hang-up, something that, that has kept us from really fully understanding who God is and the freedom in Christ, we, we fall into temptation and we end up getting comfortable in our own captivity. And so we may find a prison bed comfortable, not because it's actually comfortable, but because it's what we're used to. We may find a prison bed comfortable when we've been created to live in a palace. We've been created to have a life that is far greater than any sort of captivity, any sort of temptation, any sort of idol, any sort of anything other than God. And so if we are get to the point where we think, God, this, this journey with you is hard. We've all, if we have followed Christ. For any amount of time, we've experienced the hardness of following him. It's not an easy road. Because Jesus didn't have an easy road in his life for our salvation. Therefore, we ought not expect things to always be easy. And yet, it's not an easy road. But we know that any road with him is the right road. So, the whole community grumbles and said, we would rather take the comfort of a decent meal in captivity rather than understanding that freedom can be hard and experiencing a life with Christ is not easy. 
So when we have an addiction, a struggle, a temptation, and we keep going back to it, it's like we're finding comfort in our captivity and in a prison bed rather than a palace. So we, we unpack this for a moment because the entire community, it's a communal thing where God heard everyone's grumbling. He heard them say, God, give us something else to eat. Here's how we see the response. I'm not going to read the whole passage. But in verse 6, excuse me, verse 4, it says, The Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. That he's going to provide. And then he talks about here, in verse, starting in verse 11, The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That, that evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. So the whole Israelite community had a communal grumbling. They said, God, give us what we want, how we want it. And this is something that we fall into all the time, and yet it was something that I'm encouraged by. The Israelites didn't set a great example. They didn't ask nicely from God. We try to teach our kids if they say, Mom, give me this, or Dad, give me that. We say, is that, is that the best way to, to, get what, to ask for what we want? Sometimes they say yes, to which we have more conversations. But we say, no, like, what's a nicer way to respond? Oh, can you please give me this? See, in this passage, the Israelites don't ask nicely. They don't show gratitude for what God has done. They don't look back on two months ago and say, God, we were once imprisoned in captivity for 400 years. You set us free. We are so thankful. Whatever you give us to eat, we are just blessed and grateful for the freedom you provide. They grumble. They're not grateful. They want captivity rather than freedom. They want a prison bed rather than a palace. And yet, God still answers. For those of you who maybe are in a difficult place in your journey of God, maybe you don't have a journey, you're, just, you're not on that journey yet, but you're here and we're so grateful, you're watching online and we're so grateful. Maybe for you, you think, oh, I have to have all the right prayers, say things the right way, I have to have it all together before I come to know God. And the truth of the matter is, is if we all waited until we were, had it all together to come to know God, none of us would ever be able to come to know him. He doesn't look for perfect people. He looks for pe broken people that he can perfect. He doesn't look for clean people. He looks for those who are dirty enough and humble enough to recognize their own poor in spirit. He doesn't look for the healthy. He came for the sick. For the sick are the ones who need doctors. So if you find yourself wanting, know that we're all in the same boat because we didn't earn any of this. We get to receive it as a free gift. And so the whole community grumbled. And in our community, for us here at church, we want to recognize that there are ways in which when we say, give us this day our daily bread, instead of not being grateful and grumbling, we can be grateful for what he's provided. 
to the point where we could think of how is it that we can provide for those around us. That's been such a blessing to be able to have many of you um, be part of the Community Food Connection in Poway and being able to, to serve so many through uh, that food bank. It, it's great that there are so many of you who have been part of Abraxas and helping to go and get meals or get food and, and deliver them to Abraxas High School in order to, to help out. That those of you who give to our church, your act of giving goes towards local ministries here like Abraxas. It goes towards global ministries like our global ministry partners all across the world. That when you give out of what God has already given to you, you're not only the asker that God would give us what we need, you're also the answer to that prayer. That there are people who are well-fed, have education, who have the ability to know the gospel, who have had lives changed, because you, because we, as the body of Christ, say, we will give. There are many of you who have given your time and your energy to serve and love people. That we're not just talking about financial, but we're talking about time. That in many ways, time may be one of our most, um, our most finite and our most uh, impactful resources that we have. Would you, would you consider thinking of ways that you can continue to give to those who are broken and needy within our church and outside? Yes, financial, but even more, give them time to hear their stories. So let's not grumble like the Israelites did, but we pray, give us today our daily bread, recognizing that this prayer in Matthew 6 is a communal prayer. The next part of Matthew chapter 6, and give us today our daily bread, the next part we're going to focus on is, is today and daily. Give us today our daily bread. Now to unpack this, we need to take a moment to, to think about, to go back into the ancient Near East in the first century that they didn't get paid salary. You know, they didn't get a paycheck every two weeks. They would put in a hard day's work and they would receive a denarius or, or a single coin that symbolized the amount of work one day's wages would be. And so we see this in the parable of, uh, parable of the um, laborers in the vineyard uh, in Matthew. And when there are different people who come at different times and they do work and they all get the same rate. But we get this idea of, of you work that day you get a daily rate, and then you would go and you would spend that money to purchase what you needed in order to be fed. Now, the, the word daily in that is, uh, when I was looking in the commentaries, it's actually talking about like kind of the ongoing, like the, the next day. So give us today the bread that we need for the next day. And it's a little confusing at first, but then we have to remember too that the day for the Jewish culture did not start in the morning. Their day started at evening. So they're saying, give us today, at the beginning of our day, give us what we need so that we can eat tonight and for the next day. And this, if, if give us an hour, focusing on that as the, the communal aspect, this is the dependence aspect on God. That we would ask God to give us and we would be dependent upon what he provides. Again, in our, in our culture, it's so easy to think that we can handle all this, that we can do all this on our own, and we don't necessarily all need to just get paid the day of in order to have food for that night or the next day. We have pantries that are more full than we can imagine. Imagine bringing 
someone from a country that's in a third world country and showing them what a Walmart is. I mean, that would just be crazy. That we've been given so much that it's easy for us to forget that we need to be daily dependent on God. Give us today our daily bread. So we're going to jump back into the story of Exodus 16. Verse 15 again says, When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And we'll stop there. Um, when I read this now, after having kids, I have a newfound um, empathy for when you prepare a meal and they just look at it and like, What is it? We're like, It's beef. It's what's for dinner. Like, you're going to eat it. No. But recognizing, it's like, what is it? They didn't know what it was. That was noon to them. And so it's this bread. It's this provision. It's, we don't often always understand and recognize the way that God provides for us. We want for him to provide the way that's obvious. But sometimes he'll provide in a way, and we say, what is this? I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not sure how you're providing for me, God. Our lack of understanding how he provides does not negate the fact that he provides. Our lack of understanding how he provides does not negate the fact that he provides. But then we continue on. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. And this is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. And then verse 17 on the screen. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. The one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. In verse 19, then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. So we'll pause here for a moment. Oh, no, actually, let's keep reading. Sorry. Verse 20, however, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until, mid, uh, until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. And each morning... Everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. I wanted to end on that part because it reiterated that each morning, the daily bread was provided. And even when they tried to hoard and hold on to the bread for an extra day in disobedience to what God had said, he says, I'll provide for you every morning. And they say, no, we're going to hold on to a little bit extra because we're not sure. But that little bit of extra they tried to hold on to turned stinky and, and turned, had maggots. It's the way of God saying, depend on me, trust me, believe me when I say I will provide. I'll give you what you need for, or what you need to get through today. Some of us, that is a physical thing. We need food, or, or we need something tangible, or money for bills. Like, we need something physical for today. Some of us, we need, we need, an, uh, we need someone to show us they care about us today. We're emotionally feeling drained. We feel like we're lost, discouraged, depressed, anxious. And the daily bread we need is just for someone to say, I see you. That you were prayed for. You were cared for. You were loved. And to spend time with you. Some of you, it's a, you need a spiritual daily bread. You need God to meet you here today. Because if he doesn't meet with you here today, then you may end up getting to a point where you give up in despair. You say, God, I just, I just need you to show up. 
Maybe that's in a word through the sermon. Maybe that's in the song. Maybe that's in a in relationship or, or a conversation with others here. But you need the daily bread to get through today. Tomorrow's a new day. Each day, as Jesus says later on in Matthew 6, each day has enough worry of its own. Each day has enough worry of its own. And worrying about tomorrow does not add a year to our life. So today, what is it that you need from God? And don't be afraid to ask for it. Because we've already seen that we don't have to ask politely. We should. I'm not, I'm not teaching you to be irreverent towards the Lord. Please don't misunderstand me. But even in our imperfection, God is a good dad. When we say, God, give me this. He doesn't say, is that the right way to ask it? We can still show hu- humility and give him honor. But if we just say, God, help me. He says, okay. God, provide. Okay. God, give me what I need today so that I can make it through this day and live one day at a time. Because so often we live, even though we're here present, we often live so much of our lives in the past about wishing we could have changed something. Or we live so much of our lives looking at the future, hoping that we can control something. And we very rarely live in the present of receiving today as a gift. Receiving today what God has for us. Because either we're looking back longingly or looking ahead worryingly. So what does it look like to ask God to give us today what we need? That everyone gathered what they needed and the next morning it melted away. They had tangible proof every day. I will give you, the community, your daily bread. And then lastly, give us today our daily bread. As much as I wish that this said, give us today our daily filet mignon, give us today our daily cake, give us today our daily million-dollar lottery ticket, I mean, whatever it may be, give us today our daily bread. Because bread is our sustenance. Because bread is basic provision. Because bread symbolizes what we need and eliminates all the things that we want. To the point of saying, well, I I only want filet mignon. I'm not going to eat, Lord, unless you give me filet mignon. And so, therefore, I'm going to starve and blame you because you didn't answer the prayer that way that I wanted you to. But instead, it's saying, no, give us what we need and we surrender to you the things that we want. Because we don't get all of our wants. In the same way that if our kids ask us, hey, can we, can we have candy for breakfast? We say no. Yet we do give them donuts and powdery things and pastries and pancakes and all the sweet stuff for breakfast. Because I don't know, it's just fun. But we say no. We don't say, dad, can I go and buy a bunch of stuff? Like, No. Dad, can I go and run across the street and just, you know, play Frogger and just see if I could avoid cars? No. Because saying no is not mutually exclusive from being loving. We say no sometimes because we love deeply. Because we know what's best for our kids. Regardless of if they want to hear it and regardless if we wanted to hear it when we were kids. But... But parents know when to say that it's okay to say no. And in fact, kids need to hear no. 
because they're going to hear it at some point and may as well be within the home so they can learn the lessons of how to navigate that and how to process through that rather than in the workplace or, or something later on in life. But God can say no and still love you. He's done it multiple times. And so when we ask God for our daily bread, we're saying, God, I have my wants. Here's what I need. Can you give me what I need today? Proverbs 30 emphasizes kind of this, this, this tension between too much and what we want versus uh, not having enough. And it says this in Proverbs 30 on the screen. And it says, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. It's saying, give me what I need. Give me my daily bread. Give me just enough to know it's communal, to trust and be dependent upon you, but not so much that I forsake you, Lord, and say, you know what, God, because of my retirement plan and because of my stock options and because of the the lack of debt in my life, I I don't really need you to provide, so I'm okay without you. I'm going to live on my own and figure out how I can just, you know, get through life trusting in my bank account, knowing that the greatest account we're ever going to have to face is what did we do or who did we trust to cover the account of our sin? So we don't want to have too much and become so self-sufficient that we disown God, that we say, God, you don't need to be on the throne. I've got this. But we don't want to have so little that we fall into sin and we do things that would disown the name, or excuse me, that would um, take away from the name of God and dishonor him. We don't want to disown. We don't want to dishonor. So give us enough, Lord. Not all of my wants so I get selfish, but not so little that I disown you or dishonor you. But give me enough to make it through today. Give me enough so I can make it through today. So we're closing now. We're going we're gonna to have just a couple more moments together. And this sounds fine, right? Like we could say, okay, what did I learn from today? Well, one, I learned that this prayer is communal, not just individual. So it's us. How can I be the asker when I'm in need? And how could I be the answer when others are in need? We recognize that it shows our dependence on God, that we need our bread for today. We need today's things and that we can make it through the next day. And then we also recognize that it's about our needs, not our wants. And so we could just end the sermon here and give us today our daily bread. But many of you, if not all of you, might be listening to this and think, yeah, but I have a question. What happens when it seems like God doesn't seem to provide? What happens when I ask for my daily bread and I'm left hungry? What happens when I trust God for today and today's come and gone and I'm in the same place I was yesterday? What happens when I'm the asker of this prayer but no one and I'm not seeing the answer to this prayer. What happens when God doesn't seem to provide? And so I want to take the closing few moments we have together to, to maybe change our perspective or maybe um, revisit a perspective that we had that we've just mentioned earlier. 
that when we often say God doesn't answer our prayers, what we really mean in our heart of hearts is he did not answer them the way that I wanted him to. I don't agree with how he answered my prayer. Because uh, another pastor said this, uh, this is not original to me, but there are three ways that God often answers our prayers. One is with a yes. We love these prayers. God, help me with this, and he does. God, heal this relationship, and he does. God, provide this for me, and he does. We love those prayers. We say, God answered our prayers. It's wonderful. Another way that he answers is he says, no. And when we hear no, we don't say, oh, I love how he answers that prayer. I'm so glad he answered that prayer. What do we say? God hasn't answered my prayer. When we realize that no is an answer. It's not an answer we like. But as we've mentioned a few moments ago, God can still say no and still love us. There's that famous scene from Bruce Almighty when the character played by Jim Carrey gets the powers of God, and so when people are praying, he gets overwhelmed. Um, and you can tell it's old because it's like on a really old computer and there are post-its everywhere, which is great. But he just says yes to all, thinking that by saying yes to all prayers, he's being truly loving. And it creates chaos and havoc and heartbreak. Why? Because we may think we know what's best and we ask God to answer a certain way, but when we are dependent upon him, we know that his no is far greater than any of our yeses. Because his no comes from the omnipotent, all-powerful, all-sovereign God who knows what's best for us as our dad. When we just want candy for breakfast. So sometimes the answer is no. And then thirdly, or lastly, is he answers wait. Or not yet, either, either one there. And this one's hard, too, because hope deferred makes a heart sick. Knowing that there's an answer coming, but we haven't seen it yet, it's where faith gets tested. It's where our love for God may wax and wane. But it's also where when we see God answer that, when the wait becomes a yes, we give God glory. That when I first uh, gave my life to the Lord in 2003, I felt, I felt called to be a senior pastor. And that, happened, that call happened in November of 2003. And I remember about maybe five or six years at my previous church, I was serving and on staff. And I just felt like a little bit of tension and not sure, you know, like, is this where I'm still supposed to be? Am I, am I ready for that next step? And I found this prayer uh, from Thomas Merton. Um, it was on a bookmark inside one of my dad's books. And it was really encouraging to me. The prayer says this, My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going, and I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself, and the fact that I think I'm following your will does not mean I'm actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. I hope I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope I'll never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though, it may, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, will I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me. You never leave me to face my perils alone. And that prayer meant so much to me. I was like, God, I don't know what you want, but I believe the desire to please you does in fact please you, and you'll lead me by the right road. Again, the right road with God, is even a hard road with God is the right road. 
And so I felt the Lord saying, it's not time to leave your church yet. My previous church, it's not time to leave. So I was there for several more years, and God had to grow and stretch and, and do a lot of work in my life. But if I tried to pursue a job at that time, I wouldn't have been ready. And our church, Palmerado, we would not have been ready for a new pastor because Pastor Evan was doing incredible things, and he wasn't feeling that call yet. So the timing had to be aligned. And so God's answer to me wasn't, yes, go be a senior pastor now. It wasn't, no, you misunderstood the calling. It was, wait. Because he knew what he needed to do in me, and he knew that there was a fantastic church in Poway that fast forward until 2003 when I felt the call to November of 2017 when I started interviewing here. 14 years feels like a long time to wait. But it's far worse to try to rush God's timing and be in the wrong place. So waiting and no are still answers to prayer. He's still giving you what you need. And sometimes what you need is just the word wait. It's just the word no. Or sometimes we love it. It's the word yes. But he has not forgotten you. He has not forsaken you. He is not ignoring you. He is not abandoning you. He's not pretending that you don't exist. He's not saying that, oh, they'll learn someday. He's right there with you. Walking alongside you, hemming you in before and behind. Psalm 139 talks about how, where can I flee from your presence, Lord? Where can I go? If I go to the heights, you are there. If I go to the depths, you are there. Even in the darkness, you are there with me, for darkness is as light to you. In other words, when we are in our darkest moment, we can't see anything. God sees us just as clearly. And so I started this morning asking if there is a prayer that you wanted God to answer for you, what would it be? And if you're at a point where you feel like it, you've been waiting and the answer hasn't come and, and it's not a no, it's a wait, you might feel like you're in a really dark time because, again, waiting is where faith is tested and love for God can wax and wane. But may I encourage you that in our darkness, we feel like we are most alone. And it feels like there's no one around because we don't see anyone around us. When my girls get hurt and they want comfort, they run into my arms and they bury their head into my chest. Well, guess what? When your head's in the chest of your father, if you open your eyes, it looks dark. It can't see as well. Some of you, in your heartache and in your pain, you may think you're alone, but your heavenly father is holding you so tightly to his chest. Feels dark. It's not easy. I'm not going to diminish your heartache, your pain, and your struggle. But I would be remiss if I didn't point you to the one who sees your heartache, your pain, and your struggle. And with open arms wants to draw you close to him. So you can experience him as the God of all comfort. There's a lot of things we can learn from six words. Give us today our daily bread. So may we go before the Father now in prayer that he would finish the work that he started with this sermon. May he finish the work in us throughout the week. Dear God, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you that whether we are in the heights or the depths, in the light or in darkness and pain, we thank you that you see us and you 
never leave us nor forsake us. Father, we confess there are times that we make our faith too much about ourselves rather than being communal. We confess that there are times that we are grumblers rather than being grateful. We confess that there are times that we are not dependent upon you because we are overly dependent upon ourselves. We confess that there are times that we place our wants above the needs that we have and therefore we disown you because we think you're ignoring us because you're not answering the way we want it, how we want it, when we want it. Lord, we confess these things and we, we strip away all of these false understandings of what it means to ask you for things, God, and we pray right now that whatever prayer request is on our heart, Lord, that we would hear you clearly. Maybe you're saying yes. Maybe you're saying no. Maybe you're saying wait. But the very act of us asking you draws us closer to you. May we learn that we can always run into your arms and bury our heads into your chest and feel your heartbeat for us. We love you, Lord. We ask that you would give us today what we need. Give us today our daily bread. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 